welcome to PhD Talk. My name is Miriam and I'm the host on this podcast where I interview PhD students to let them talk about their topics and struggles and joys and where me and others share tips with you to make your life as a PhD student more effective, less stressful and most importantly more fun. Hello and welcome to today's interview. Today you will hear an interview between Clara and me. Clara is a colleague of mine and we both work at the University of Copenhagen in the Department of Plants and Environment. Clara is a Marie Curie PhD fellow and she conducts research on the nutrient availability of bio-based fertilizers. She focuses on phosphorus as a nutrient and on biochar and ashes as bio-based fertilizers. I hope you will learn something new today and let's talk science. Today's introduction is in German, so for a change, I actually understood what my guest said. Hallo, ich bin Clara und ich promoviere an der Universität Kopenhagen in Dänemark. Und der Name meines PhD-Projekts ist Erhöhung der pflanzlichen Phosphorverfügbarkeit von Biokohle und Asche aus Abfallstoffen. Biokohle ist ein Material, das ähnlich wie Holzkohle unter Sauerstoffabschluss hergestellt wird und dadurch viele stabile Kohlenstoffverbindungen enthält und außerdem auch Phosphor. Und Phosphor ist ein wichtiger Pflanzennährstoff. Und theoretisch könnte also diese Biokohle aus Feld ausgebracht werden und man könnte mineralischen Phosphordünger einsparen und gleichzeitig den Kohlenstoffgehalt des Bodens erhöhen, was dann langfristig CO2 im Boden binden würde. Allerdings ist der Phosphor in Biokohle in einer Form, die nicht für Pflanzen verfügbar ist und deswegen funktioniert das nicht so gut als Dünger. Und in meinem Promotionsprojekt entwickle ich Methoden, um die Phosphorverfügbarkeit zu erhöhen. Und meistens mache ich das, indem ich den pH-Wert erhöhe oder verändere, ähm, zum Beispiel durch die Vorbehandlung mit Säuren oder anderen Chemikalien oder ich kombiniere die Biokohle mit anderen Düngemitteln. Oder auch biologisch durch Fermentation der Biokohle zusammen mit anderen Abfallstoffen, um, um so dann eben den pH-Wert zu ändern und die Phosphorverfügbarkeit zu erhöhen. Hi Clara. Hi. <lacht> Welcome to my little office. <lacht> um, Clara and I are colleagues and she works just across the hall. And today she is my guest in my little podcast. And maybe you would like to start with uh, telling us a bit about what you did before you became my office mate. Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, thanks for the invitation. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talk a bit about my project and everything. So um, yeah, to start with, I uh, studied um, at the University of Hohenheim in, in southern Germany, close to Stuttgart. Um, and my bachelor degree was um, agricultural sciences and then My master degree was called crop sciences, so that was quite a quite some sciency master program, um, yeah, related to crops especially. Um, and I then quite fast focused on. So it already started during my bachelor's, and then during my master, I already started working with bio-based fertilizers and nutrient recycling, and yeah, so a bit also what I'm what I'm doing right now. Okay, so you knew quite early that you wanted to do something related to agriculture. Yes. You, or you mean then the study program? or Yeah, the study program. No, nah, that actually was... I decided on that just uh, before... Yeah, or like after my my Abitur, my graduation, actually. It was more because I didn't really 
have another idea. So it was more okay. like, yeah, some backup plan. Or And I mean, what I liked about the bachelor program, it, it was really nice because you cover a lot of different areas. You talk, you talk about economics, you talk about, of course, natural sciences. Then there's also social sciences and it's quite diverse. And um, I like that. And so agriculture from many perspectives. Yeah. Okay. So that was quite nice. Um, but then, yeah, somehow I was interested in more like the natural science part of it. Okay. So. And then you, you ended up doing a PhD. How did that yeah. come? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even really know. So I, even when I started the, the bachelor, I think I already thought about or, or I knew that there's this option to do a PhD yeah. and it always seemed nice to me, but I never, it was never like a serious plan I had or like a, a goal or something. And then also during my master thesis, I, I really enjoyed research and, and like having this little project. And what was that about? That was on compost fertilization. And it was quite nice. I was, it was a long-term experiment. So basically that means you have a, a field and you apply the same kind of fertilizer for a very long time. And in my case, that was 18 years. And it was also quite nice because not so many people have actually done research on this experiment uh, before. Yeah. And so that was quite exciting. And then, um, yeah, my topic was how this long-term fertilization with compost, um, mm -hmm. how, how that changes the soil and the soil organic matter and the availability of nutrients. And yeah, that, and that how was does it change it. <laughs> um, now, I mean, compost contains a lot of um, carbon, obviously, and so the carbon content increased. But when it comes to nutrients, it's actually not that effective, and you really need to apply a lot. Okay. And um, for phosphorus, it increased a little, and also for nitrogen. You can maybe substitute some mineral fertilizer with it, but it's not like a real fertilizer <laughs> treatment. Or... I see. So then you, you ended up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I, yeah, I, I enjoyed the master project and everything. Yeah. And then I, I just saw my position and, and actually my position is part of a, a big Marie Curie funded project. It's like an international training network. And there was actually 15 PhD positions all over Europe. The overall topic is bio-based fertilizers. And so I thought that was quite interesting. Some of the positions were really interesting and I could imagine working in that area but then um i i also really liked copenhagen <laughs> and yeah then for some reason or, yeah then i applied here and in, in copenhagen and in, in italy actually and then i ended up here and you ended up in copenhagen yes <laughs> okay when did you start then like how long has it been so next week uh my second year ends oh. Okay. So I, I only have one more year left, which okay. is crazy. <laughs> like pi time passes really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess almost every PhD student has that feeling. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now you are part of the group that I'm also part of. That's the soil fertility group at the University of Copenhagen. And what's your topic specifically? So the name of my topic is enhancing the phosphorus availability from biochars and ashes. What is the biochar? And <laughs> yeah, biochar, I guess, is the more interesting part, more interesting than the ashes. Biochar is it's similar to the coal production process. Basically, you have a biomass um, 
and then you heat it up but uh, without any oxygen mm -hmm. and then this black carbonous material forms which is called biochar and mm -hmm. it contains a lot of stable carbon the good thing about biochar is then you could so it basically captures the carbon and if you apply it to the soil then it will increase the carbon content of the soil which can okay. yeah combat climate change or is yeah some a carbon sink basically and then i also work with the ashes which is basically just burning waste materials different biomasses and the biomasses or waste products that i'm working with are all rich in phosphorus because i'm focused on on phosphorus mm -hmm. and so it's for example sewage sludge mm -hmm. and slaughterhouse wastes and also slurry or in, in my case it's digested slurry of of so pig slurry okay. that gets digested and then afterwards of course the digestate is also quite liquidy and then mm. you separate the solids and the liquid fraction and then the solid fraction gets pyrolyzed and then you have the digestate biochar so you look at those different you call them biobased fertilizers and then you look at how they what <laughs> yeah then my my focus is then what happens if you apply those biochars and ashes to the soil how do they release the nutrients how available are the nutrients for the plants mm -hmm. and how can we actually use it as a fertilizer and yeah that's that's the question okay so you want to see whether the plant is actually able to get the phosphorus that is inside yeah. of the biochar into its uh, plant uh, biomass exactly okay. yeah okay and and how can you how can you know <laughs> Yeah, there is many different ways to test that. And you, first of all, you can, of course, just look at the material itself and you can do different analysis on just on the material, like how, for example, different wet chemical extractions, which is basically just putting the material into a little tube and then shake it a little bit with some, in, in some cases, just water, but you mm -hmm. can also use different chemicals. Um, they're then, they're actually supposed to mimic the soil solution a little bit and then. Okay. And then you see whether anything dilutes from, yeah, if, from the biochar. If the biochar releases some nutrients and okay. then I can analyze the liquid and, and see what nutrients are in there. Um, so that is like just looking at the material itself. But then what I also did a lot, which is, actually quite a simple setup i think you just take some soil you take your materials you mix the materials with your soil and then you let some plants grow in that soil and then you you would also always have a comparison a soil without any biochar addition and then you see if you actually get an improvement with the biochar okay and then you can measure the uptake and how much phosphorus the plant actually gets from the soil that also gives some indications on on the availability. Okay. And what have you found <laughs> so far? Um, <laughs> Can I ask? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so far, so I'm working on enhancing the, the nutrient availability because okay. actually the, the materials itself often have a very low phosphorus availability. Mm -hmm. Because it's stuck to the carbon. Like, yeah, okay. the carbon, it's like everything is quite stable and so are the nutrients that are in, in this matrix. And then that's mm -hmm. why not a lot of them get easily released and, and mm -hmm. the plant can take them up. Initially, the fertilizer value is quite low, but that also depends a little bit on what kind of soil you use. And I mean, the world is big. There's a lot of different soils and 
one of the biggest factors in my case is, is soil pH, which makes a big difference. So if you apply the materials to the soil with a lower pH, you could actually get a better release, but, okay. but, but still not a lot of phosphorus. And what I tested now is acidifying the materials. Mm-hmm. And that just works. Like I, I take the materials and I apply a little bit of acid. In my case, it's sulfuric acid to the materials, mix it a little bit, and then I dry it. And then I apply this acidified material to the soil. Okay, so if the soil doesn't have the low pH, then you have to create the low pH. Yeah, exactly. You okay. you could think about that. Like yeah. Okay. And that works works actually uh, quite well. That was my first big experiment I did, where I could see that we could get a huge effect from from this acidification. And it's also interesting. For example, for sludge-based materials, for sewer sludge biochar, it also works the other way. And if you increase the pH a lot, um, applying sodium hydroxide in my case, you would also get a release from phosphorus from Okay, these. so you need one or the other extreme. Yeah, in, at least in case of the sewer sludge biochar, because mm-hmm. that, that has like different phosphorus compounds in it. Also okay. because the way wastewater is treated in our wastewater treatment plants. And so I think that's quite nice that you can see an effect with both an increase and a decrease in pH. Then if you apply it to the soil, does the acid have any effect on the plant or does it, the plant doesn't care? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something. So in the beginning, I was a bit worried about it that, I mean, soil has a high buffer capacity. So if you just apply a little bit of material and it's really half a teaspoonful that you apply maybe to like three kilograms of soil and then you mix it very well so okay so little it's so little and then the soil is quite a good buffer depending on the soil obviously but so the ph change is not that big and the plant is not affected but at some point i also tested together with a colleague he's testing or working on placing fertilizers in the soil to make them better available for the plants and i tested that with this acidified biochar and it actually didn't work at all because then you have all of this material that with a lot of acid and a low pH concentrated in one spot and that's not something that the plant likes and it would okay. never grow its roots in in that area because of the the pH and okay and and that is actually the idea of the placement so uh, okay so either placement or acidification yeah kind of? But so, for example, with the biochars, also the placement doesn't make sense because it doesn't release any phosphorus when it's not acidified. And that's why also mm. the placement alone is not helping. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough. Yeah. Okay. I see. Why would you have this detour of producing the biochar first? Like, why wouldn't you apply the waste on the fields directly? Why is that? Yeah. So there's different reasons for that. So first of all, what I already explained a little bit is the carbon that is fixed into the biochar that is very stable. And so we wouldn't get that if we just apply the sewage sludge, for example, directly. Okay. Then the carbon can be like easily released and it would just go into the air again. So then you wouldn't have any carbon sequestration. And then there's different reasons. So, for example, that is, I guess, most relevant for slaughterhouse wastes and also a bit for sewage such if you the pyrolysis process you actually heat up the product quite a lot so mm. depends obviously but something between 300 or 800 degrees usually okay um, or even more and then 
you can actually get rid of a lot of pathogens. Um, mm, okay, so it's also hygiene. Yeah. Topic. Okay. And you can also decrease the volume of your waste. Ah, uh, yeah, for transportation. Yeah, which helps yeah. and makes it easier okay. to transport it from like nutrient-rich areas to other areas. And in some cases, it can also remove heavy metal the pyrolysis process. Uh, especially cadmium, which is a problem, so you don't want to have the heavy metals in the fertilizer. And that is a way to get rid of that. Okay. Another question. <laughs> When you acidify the biochar to make the nutrients available, and you also said that you want to keep the carbon in the soil, like, if I make the nutrients available, do I also yeah. let the carbon escape? <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a good question, and I cannot really answer that yet, but... We actually, I mean, of course, we, we know that we need to look into that as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, it makes sense that if you release some nutrients, you will probably also release some carbon or mm -hmm. you could decrease the carbon sequestration potential. But I think it's only like a small amount of acid and not such a high concentration. And I don't think it will have a huge effect, but probably it will decrease the The carbon stability a little bit but yeah we wanna we are still planning to have an experiment on that and i guess in that case you could say you would just need to find a balance between mm -hmm. being able to use it as a fertilizer and yeah let it have a, a carbon mm -hmm. um, sequestration potential or yeah yeah i guess you just need to find the right balance yeah, yeah sure yeah yeah makes sense and then how does your how does your research continue from from then you said that was your first experiment so the first experiment was the experiment where i tried out this acidification okay, pretreatment yeah, yeah. In, the, in the water in the acid and then you placed it in in the soil together with the plants yeah and you harvested the plants yeah exactly okay. so that was the first experiment and then i did a similar experiment on what i also just told you the um, alkalinization of the mm. sludge biochar so that was a similar experiment. What I'm working on now is until yeah a few months ago, I just used sulfuric acid for this acidification. But now we're also trying to use some kind of fermentation process mm -hmm. to actually get a natural acidification to not use an inorganic acid. Because that would obviously be nicer. Let's see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you like? What excites you about about this like what do you think could your research contribute to so generally i really like the work as a researcher and it's very yeah. what do you like about it <laughs> i think it's quite exciting and I, i feel like every week is different or now i have to say the last couple of weeks i've been mainly writing which which then of course is pretty similar but if you have experiments it's You have so many different tasks and you can plan every every week is something new and hmm. So I think that's pretty nice. And then, of course, maybe you also travel a bit. Then you're in touch with other researchers, with other nationalities. And that is something I really enjoy. And then I also think, of course, my research will only have a small impact and it will only be a small step. And yeah, the world will only know a little, little, little bit more about biochar after my project is done. But anyways, I feel like it could contribute to something Hmm. bigger and maybe at some point in a few years farmers will actually apply biochar and i guess in in denmark it's actually quite uh, high chances that that's going to happen so okay why particularly in denmark because denmark 
they are quite ambitious with their climate goals. Okay. And as far as I understood, biochar is actually a big part of their strategy to reduce emissions from, oh, okay. from agriculture. And that's why I think it's quite likely that uh, biochar will be applied to fields in the future in Denmark. Hmm. And yeah, and I think maybe then in a few years that happens. And then it's good if they know more about the nutrient release. And yeah, of course, the farmer wants to know what yeah. they put on their fields. <laughs> yeah, and what, what yeah. we are also hoping for a little bit, I mean... Until now, there's not so much in for the farmer to apply biochar. Okay. Of course, if they could sell carbon credits or something hmm. like that from from the carbon that they have then on their fields. But yeah, other than that, they don't get a lot of benefits. Of course, also the biochar improves the soil quality and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But if they would have the biochar and they could apply it and they would get an immediate fertilizer response and yeah. the plant would grow better, then it would be... A big incentive for them okay. to apply biochar. Yeah, At least sure. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, especially now the fertilizer prices are getting yeah up so much, right? Yeah, that could so, also play a role, and yeah, nobody really knows how that's gonna de develop. Yeah, the next years. Yeah, that's so. right. And you you just mentioned that it that it increases the soil quality just as it is, and and why is that? Why does it improve the soil quality? That of course also depends on the soil. <laughs> Generally. I think it was shown that in in like tropical soils, the effect of biochar is much larger because mm. usually soil quality is not as high. Like it's very acidic soils. The soils are quite weathered and there's like a lot of nutrients already leached from the soil. Okay. The soil is not able to hold a lot of nutrients. And mm. so in that case, biochar can have a, a big effect because It has a very large uh, surface area and mm -hmm. so it can also bind a lot of nutrients and like hold them in the soil. Oh, okay. And then the pH is also, depending on the biochar, is also high. And so usually farmers apply a lot of lime to their fields to increase the pH. And so biochar has a similar effect. It can also increase the water holding capacity of the soil, hmm. which of course is also good uh, yeah. when you think about climate change yeah, and right. the droughts we have in Europe. And yeah, so that's why biochar has a lot of positive effects or can have a lot of positive effects okay. apart from nutrients. Okay. So what are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, it, it's not so easy also to convince farmers and yeah. and laws need to be changed. and Yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and you, you also said at the beginning that um, that you are part of a greater EU project. Maybe you would like to tell us a bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so I'm part of, they call it, International Training Network. Mm -hmm. And as I said in the beginning, it's 15 PhD positions in, I think, yeah, six, seven Euro European universities. And all the PhDs are working on somehow related to bio-based fertilizers. And I think it's really nice because we meet up a lot and twice a year we have big meetings where everybody meets and then we discuss about our findings and we collaborate a lot with each other. We also have courses together, so courses on bio-based fertilizer, fertilizers, but also courses on academic writing and outreach and communication and 
project management and all the other things more related to having a scientific research project. Yeah, and I think that's has been really nice and there's a lot of exchange of experiences, of ideas, materials, yeah. Motivates you more to yeah, to know that you're part of something bigger. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Part of the research community. Yes. <laughs> nice. So do you think you want to stay in academia? <laughs> Is that too early to ask? I think I could really imagine that and yeah. because I enjoy it a lot. But then, I mean, working conditions in academia, or actually, I mean, here, <laughs> it's pretty good. I really enjoy working here. But then on the long term, there's not a lot of stability and mm. security. And that's something that keeps me away a little bit. But generally, I'm, I would be quite motivated. Yeah. So let's see what the future brings. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Nice. In this EU project, did you also go on an exchange? Did you also... Oh, yeah. I didn't mention that. <laughs> so I, I went on an exchange to Portugal for three, four months. And so I had a little experiment in Portugal. I went there. There was also another PhD that is part of the project and another professor that supervised me for that part of my work. And yeah. Okay. And it's also nice because we are receiving a lot of people. Um, so a lot of people from the project are coming to Copenhagen. And um, maybe if you could like think of what you would tell your younger self... <laughs> <laughs> prior to your PhD is there anything you would tell them or you were like everything went just fine yeah I don't have like I don't really have a good advice I guess maybe sometimes to not worry about stuff too much I mean anyways we cannot control everything so maybe sometimes it's better to just yeah relax a little bit or not yeah just not worry too much um Hmm. and enjoy more maybe okay but yeah nothing really in particular i think okay nothing else yeah. good and uh, maybe one more thing like if we imagine the the hobby gardener what would they have any like could they use biochar would it be useful for them in my private garden i think so but or, i'm not sure i mean it's always hard to tell if they would get an effect and i i don't imagine that you would apply a little bit of biochar and then you get the biggest tomatoes. <laughs> and I think it's more yeah, also for a little garden. I mean, the whole growing system is different. It's not as okay. intense as our agricultural systems. Mm -hmm. But I guess applying a little bit will definitely not do any harm. And if you, <laughs> if you know that you have an acidic soil, for example, or, or something, it could help. Okay. Um, is there anything else you would like to tell us? I don't think so. I, I I feel like I I explained a lot about the project and yeah. Okay, perfect. And thanks a lot <laughs> yeah. for the interview. Thanks for really having nice. me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. hope you enjoyed today's interview and if you find Clara's research interesting and would like to know more, then please feel free to contact me or her. I share her contact details in the blog post to this episode 
And then thanks a lot for listening today and for your time. I'm looking very much forward to sharing the next episode with you. Yeah, until then, all the best. Bye-bye.